We're talking about convictions and discernment and guarding. There's so many, um, there's so many areas that, you know, in terms of cultural activities or social, social activities in general, for example, drinking, drinking wine, um, certain books that we read, certain places that we go to that your neighbor can differ on. Um, Like I said, like with drinking, someone else can say, you know, that's not, that's not appropriate to do as a Christian. I actually just had that conversation this, yeah, I think this past week. um, And it was like, hey, if this is so destructive, or if, if this has the potential to be so destructive, like why are we even engaging in it point blank? If that, if it has, you know, that, much power to evolve to evolve into something like that why even approach it there's explicitly no hey you're not allowed to do this or you're allowed to do it there i there are biblical guidelines which definitely point to that that say hey getting drunk is destructive so if you know someone is thinking hey this is something that i do um that my neighbor doesn't how can we what is like the guideline surrounding those areas where um there's no necessarily hey this is um for like a better word this is appropriate yeah. to do or not to do is yeah, there it's not it's forbidden right forbidden right I, I i would say my i think the the, the way I've, I've sort of um so i grew up in a tradition that the teetotaler right no drinking Mm-hmm. I grew up in a church, you know, my parents don't drink, you know, grew up, you know, most African or African Americans even grew up in that sort of tradition, like, you know, yeah. like drinking is, you know, I wasn't even, I grew up in a tradition where I was, I didn't go to movies until I was college, I was on my own, like, even going to the movie theater mm-hmm. was considered, like, you know, it's very fundamental, fundamental mm-hmm. in some aspects of those, in those aspects, like, you can't go to movies, you can't, you can't drink, and that's, and that's fine. I'm not saying that's essentially wrong in itself, but I also think that there are some things the Bible does expressly forbid. Uh, so the question is, how do we, how do we, how do we do with deal with things that the Bible does expressly forbid? Right. Mm-hmm. Drinking, for example, is one of those things. There's no way in the Bible that says you can't drink. Actually, there's a lot of places in the Bible that actually does the opposite. Actually, you know, uh, yeah, you know, people that are teetotalers would not be happy to hear this. But read through the New Testament. Read through, for example. The Nehemiah Ezra, when the people have been given the law, God has oppressed, they've fallen on their on their knees and, and been forgiven, mm. and 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 there's a call to celebrate because now they've received the law, they've been restored to celebrate, to drink, and there's actually one of the celebrations also in in the Old Testament, one of the laws, mm. um, one of the festivals or the um, is is where you know God talks about drink. Um, it might be this might be an idea. Drink wine and be mm-hmm. merry and all of these things. Like so, there's this passage in the Bible that encourages people to drink. I suppose yeah. there are, there's no place in the Bible that forbids it. Now, the Bible also forbids drunkenness. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So so there's and I think most people that that say the Bible says you shouldn't drink, I've used those passages to. But there's a difference between drunkenness and drinking. Mm, yeah. Uh, not everyone that drinks to get drunk. Uh, most people that drink actually don't get drunk. Mm. Um, so, um, and the Bible forbids drunkenness. Um, so, um, I, I would say 
does not forbid, we have liberty mm. to engage in or not to engage in, right? And so, uh, so the Bible, for example, then, if we go by that rule, the normative reading of the Bible, a normative view, the Bible doesn't forbid drinking. So you're free to engage, to drink. The Bible does forbid drunkenness. So you, you're free to drink in, in moderation. As the Bible actually, you know, encourages moderation in all things, even in eating, right? Um, so you, you should do that in moderation. Um, I, I think those same rules probably govern even what some of the things we've talked about earlier about the way we consume popular culture, yeah. but especially like you know things like drinking. Um, I think, and then how do you deal with 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 friends who are believers that don't believe in that? You deal with yeah. them with grace. Um, 
because now you can have drinking water that you, you that's safe. Back in the middle Middle Ages, even even as late as maybe the 1500s, and this is even by the time of like you know the Reformation, the 1500s, where water is really unsafe because of sanitary laws mm. in, in cities and everywhere. Most people drank beer or some sort of fermented drink because it's safer because it's because of the fermentation process that kills all the germs out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most people, it was safer. Even kids, they were safer to wow. drink beer or drink some sort of you know damn water because water is you can, unless you know you can you can you know make sure that this is really good water. It it carries so much you know diseases and so much you know germs. Yeah. That, that was what most people consumed. Actually, interesting enough, I was talking to a friend today, and they told me that the guy who started who uh, who um, the finding Guinness. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say this. <laughs> uh, I give people like this. This is something that they don't want to. But this is the truth. It's the truth. I'm not making it up. The guy that found the Guinness was, a, was, a, was apparently a believer, and he, mm. he wanted most people would drink him strong liquor because they didn't want to drink water, but they were drinking more, more stronger liquor that was making them stronger. So he said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna make something. I'm gonna ferment a beer. I'm gonna brew beer that's not really strong. That the, the liquor, the alcohol content is much lower that people can drink safely without like everyone getting drunk. Mm. You know, that's really how Guinness started. Oh wow, fun fact. Right? You know, so, so I mean that's an historical, and so that just. I'm just saying, even in within for historical context, like you know, the idea that if you made this law that no one is allowed to drink alcohol 500 years ago, mm-hmm. you really effectively you would be you'd be you know sending a lot of people's death sentence because the reason why they didn't drink water is because it was so unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, now we don't live in those terms. We can we can have clean water. We can at least if you live in the in in, in in the you know, um, in yeah. America, you, you, you can really. You mostly have access to. Huh? Yeah, I said you mostly have access to clean water. Yeah, you have yeah. access to clean water. So. Mm. Yeah. So, but but I, I mean, I I would say you know there's there's freedom to drink. Right. Um, um, that I, I I maybe I should share this, but you know, so I grew I told you I grew up in a in a home where there's no drinking. Mm. But, you know, I have since, you know, as an adult now, I drink. I, I, if I go out with friends, I'll drink, you know, a pint of beer. But I'm also very careful mm. to two things. Not to get drunk because, you know, especially when I'm out. Mm. When I'm out um, in public and I know I'm going to drive, I don't want to even come close. Yeah. So I, I really want to be conscientious about you know, my alcohol intake so that I'm conscious about getting behind the wheel of the car. That's mm-hmm. one thing. I don't, I don't want to escape the law. The second thing, even if I'm home or, you know, where I'm not going to drive, I just try not to, you know, get to the place where I'm just sloppy. <laughs> that mm-hmm. is, it affects my testimony or affects my speech, affects, you know, my behavior in a way that's not glorifying. So I'm careful about those things. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean so that I, I have a level of maturity and discernment. Um, also, I think, you know, you should abide by the law. Don't drink until drinking age. But but mm-hmm. there's a level of maturity that I try to you know. I'm I'm careful whenever that well I don't I don't take alcohol lightly. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think you know. 
be on that. So it yeah, my answer is informed mm-hmm. by by my you know, just sort of you know Yeah. My personal feelings with that. Yeah. No, I think yeah, you're so right. There's so um there's so many weirdly there's so many things to consider with this um i i think you know convictions also come into play and sometimes it's easy to place that you know our personal conviction um and you know generalize that to think you know everybody should not or everybody should um engage in a certain thing so i think conviction definitely plays a part right right I think if your if your conscience doesn't allow you to drink, I think you should you should you should listen to your conscience. Right. There's a reason why that's true, and then you should listen. And then if if your mm. uh, friends are, uh, you shouldn't compel somebody against their conscience to do something that they're but you also shouldn't condemn somebody that right. when their conscience doesn't condemn them. Right. Well, I should say when their conscience and the and the word of God doesn't condemn them. Mm. Right. Those two things. You shouldn't. Then you shouldn't go out out of here to condemn somebody okay. uh, for doing something that neither the, the word of God or, or their conscience condemns them, condemns them to do. That's so good. Yeah, I think that's such a topic so it applies to so many other areas that we can get involved in, but I think yeah, like we've just mentioned, we kind of take our, our own personal convictions and I'm thinking of like yeah. tattoos and you know, earrings and like all these other things that, you know, people are like, oh, that's like worldly. And that's like a whole entire conversation, but that's worldly. Yeah. And that's not something yeah. you should engage in because, you know, yeah. how, how does that honor God? But um, yeah. I think, yeah, the same lens. And even as we've been talking about, um, you know, what environment are you in and are you com- compromising, um, you know, what you believe? Are you causing someone else to kind of stumble because they see you doing this and they're like oh yeah I I can go do it too um when it may not be beneficial for them and I always remember um I'm not sure exactly where it is but it says everything is permissible right um but not everything is a that's seminarian (laughs) beneficial beneficial yeah right right I, I think that's that's a lens to look through um, and just being willing to lay down even your rights, even if you think that, hey, this is something I can freely do and why, um, why should I, you know, why should I hold back on that? It also requires us, like we've been saying, to to just be discerning. There's a place and a time for everything. Um, but I think that's a great point to make, honestly. What God is not forbidden, you know, who are we to now you know, make that a law. I think that's, yeah, that's actually very, um, yeah. that's freeing, again, with wisdom. It is, it is freeing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think this, this the, the passage you referred to is uh, everything is permissible for me. For me. Permanent, but not everything is beneficial. Mm. And then he says, everything, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered mm. by anything. Come on. And that's the, that's the thing, right? It's, that's where I love that. yeah. idolatry comes in is when we when the things even the, the things that are permissible not only the things that are sinful even things that are good right we, when we when we become mastered by them instead of we should be mastered by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ mm. him alone is our Lord 
allow other things to master us, that's when idolatry comes in. That's mm. what, you know, so yeah, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Even though it's permissible, it's not always beneficial. That's where discernment comes in. Right. Everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. Hmm. Um, uh, it goes under the food for the stomach and the stomach for food. Hmm. You know, God would destroy them both. But And so, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a, and so, you know, that's the other thing I would say. I think when we when we ask these questions, mm. we don't ask the more important questions. When we just say, "Okay, yeah, you shouldn't do that," mm. or "You can do that," we make we we we've just erected sort of these Pharisaic laws mm. upon laws or rules or regulations above what God says. Mm. What, what actually that stops us from doing is asking the deeper questions the meaning, the spirit of the law. That's one of the things Jesus, Jesus, you know, accuses the Pharisees of doing. It's like, you know, you have erected all these laws, but your heart is so far away from God, mm-hmm. right? They've actually, you know, they even made laws pretending to obey God's law, mm-hmm. but in fact, expressed the disobeying it because of the way they mm-hmm. kept it. The, mm-hmm. the, the man-made regulation. Um, and so oftentimes when we, you know, if, if I were to say, okay, yeah, drinking is sick, I'm never going to touch alcohol. Yeah. You know, and I think, and I think that makes me right, just because I don't drink. But then I engage in other things that are just as permissible and not necessarily expressly bad. Mm. But I've given myself to it. Like I'm, I'm ruled by those things. Food, for example. Okay, so I become a glut and I'm ruled by food. Yeah. Or you know, I'm ruled by like entertainment. You know, video games. think it, it gets to the matter of the heart yeah. Um, yeah. because even if it's talking about sin um, yeah. right just because I'm not doing that one sin does not still mean I love God yeah. I can just, yeah. it does not yeah. it's not a reflection like great you've checked that off but really like where's are you actually satisfied in God or are you just trying yeah. to appease him so, yeah, it really gets at our heart. And I think that's what God is ultimately looking at, not just the outward expression of what we're doing or not doing. I think just the final um, word here, when we we hear this quote a lot, but 
um, be in the world, but not of the world. What does that look like? Um, and I'm sure you've probably already touched on this, but you know, when we're saying that, what does that look like to be in the world, but not off the, of the world without falling into extremes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I would like to go back to where we started off. Mm. Your first question is about, um, um, sort of engaging. I'm sorry. Oh, engaging, being familiar with, um, the culture. Yeah. Yeah. How do we engage in being familiar with the culture? Like, you know, the culture itself is not, um, the culture is not necessarily like deep by default bad or evil. Mm. There are elements of the culture that are, you know, everyone has a culture. Oh, this culture, I mean, if there's human beings anywhere, yeah. uh, this is what I mean to say. If there's human beings created mm-hmm. in God's image, part mm-hmm. of the way we reflect the fact that we are image bearers of God is that we create culture wherever we are. Yeah. Um, you know, we're culture building, culture creating mm-hmm. people, beings. That's what that's one of the things that separates us from even, you know, other animals. Or in you know Norway, or you know like 
when he goes to the Areo, Areopagus in, uh, in Athens. And mm. he sees the men of Athens. And they have erected an altar to an unknown god. Now, you got to think about what Paul has to know about the Athenian culture. Mm. Like, he can't just come at them without knowing their culture and knowing sort of some of the elements of what they believe in right. and what they're susceptible to. You know, these are religious people. You know, these are philosophers and people that, 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 you know, love learning and stuff like that. You need to know all of that. And that's because he knows that culture. Right. There's an element of knowledge about the culture itself that Paul has to have in order to now come and present the gospel. And he, you see, and he uses it in the way he talks to them in Acts 17. He uses his knowledge of them and of their culture in the way he presents the gospel. So he goes to them and says, you know, I see that you have this altar to an unknown God. Um, and then he tells them the truth. But he, you know, he doesn't cuddle or he doesn't, he, he doesn't compromise. He says, well, no, what you're worshiping is, is you're worshiping ignorance. Mm-hmm. Um, really, what you're worshiping is uh, uh, um, really the God who made heaven and earth, the true God. Um, 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 you know, he says to them, he's the Lord that you should worship. Mm-hmm. And he preaches the gospel to them. And in the midst of that, he says this then, um, and in I, I think he goes on, he goes on, and he says, "For in him we move, in him we live and move and exist." Yeah. Um, he's, he's talking about God, you know, the Triune God. Um, but the, that that phrase that he uses, a famous quote, it's not that's not an invention of Paul. He's actually quoting a secular, popular author. That Athenians know, mm-hmm. and he's attributing that quotation to God. He says, "In God, we we in Him we live and move and exist." Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he says that as even some of your poets have said, because he's quoting the the poet. Um, and and you gotta see Paul. Paul, Paul mm-hmm. is doing that. He's using their knowledge, their you know, their culture, and then you know their own popular authors. Yeah. to minister the gospel to them but he subverts it hmm. for the sake of the gospel and that's why we gotta know the gospel we live in. we can't really preach the gospel in a way that people understand us hmm. we don't know we can't just come out and just, you know um, and, and I think sometimes this is maybe some of our failures as Christians that we just think you know it's, it's not important to engage people whether I don't right. know the gospel coming back um, right. and, and, and then you know we have no common ground or, you know, to, to engage them. Um, so I, I think it's, it's good, uh, ultimately, for, for the to be in the world for the sake of, well, by necessity, we are in the world. Mm. But it's also good in order for us to be better ambassadors mm. of, of Christ, which is what we are. Uh, you know, ambassadors, again, think of it, you know, you send an ambassador somewhere, you know, they have to go, you send somebody, you if you're wise, you know, you send an ambassador to a country, then, you know, you're sending someone that knows that country well. Hmm. And that's to be your emissary. So if we're going to be ambassadors, well, we, need, we need to recognize that we are foreigners in this world. But we are ambassadors, but we need to know it. And that's the preaching gospel. Man, Ife, that was such a great, um, yeah. yeah. I'm really long-winded. So, no, no, no. I I, <laughs> I I love saying um yeah, the 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 thought process and there 
there is a wise way really to um, approach this rather than like we've said just um, a yes or no and you know yeah. we look at even how did the how did the disciples do it how did Jesus do it because they weren't just it wasn't just Christians ministering to one another. I mean, they have to yeah. talk to the society yeah. around them. And yeah, there is a wise way. There, We are called to that, essentially. So we're not, we can't be separated um, from, you know, the knowledge of our culture in order to to meet it. Like, that's something that I think we, we, we should understand as Christians and being knowledgeable and taking that approach and I could also see it where um, there's ignorance where we think we know Um, right we we think we know what this culture needs or we think we know um, how it lives um, you know without us actually firsthand understanding that and I think ignorance is such such a turn turn off (laughs) like you know uh, if you're trying to you know witness to me but you just you know want to talk about yeah. what you believe, what your values are, but you're not yeah. seeing the person before you, you're not understanding what context they're coming from um, in order to better engage them. I think that's not helpful um, at all um, as Christians. And I mean, that's still part of love as well. Actually taking the time, and I think we talked a bit about this um, on the Nigerian and African-American um podcast but yeah yeah yeah, leaning into other people's stories and that does not mean obviously we're affirming everything but i don't know it doesn't mean we're affirming right it doesn't mean we're affirming anything unless we don't we can't there's nothing to affirm right that doesn't mean we don't lean in to understand where people are coming from right that's so important oh gosh um, this has been so good, so so good, <laughs> and we never know what direction will take. But I've just really enjoyed um, talking about this topic, and as always, honestly, I'm learning along um, as well. So this has been very, very insightful and informative for me. me. Too. Yeah. Thank you, thank, you for, thank you for asking me back. I'm long-winded. <laughs> really, no, it's so good. <laughs> Thank you for, yeah, thank you for really just honing in on those um, questions and bringing um, a lens through which we can see this. I think that's ultimately what I want people to walk away with. Um, Just a lens where we can see everything through because it can become, can I do this? Can I not? But what what, what is behind that? And why are we asking these questions? Um, Why why should we? So I think that is what is ultimately important is to to have that lens that... um, a way to approach um, all these different questions that we have so thank you so much for joining me Ife um, um, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Threshold Conversations I hope you join us on the next one have a great day